You are listening to audio from the Rail City campus of CA Church. We are a church fervently committed to bringing the good news to the city of Port Moody. We hope this message helps you grow in your personal relationship with Jesus. All right. Good morning, everyone. So good to have you here this morning. My name is Cam Daly. I'm one of the pastors here at CA Church, and uh, we're just so glad you joined us for church this morning. Uh, excited about baptisms today. That's going to be absolutely incredible, and I uh, do encourage you to come. Excited about Father's Day uh, next weekend, and, uh, and I just want to put it out there, okay? So, um, you know, moms or, or spouses, if you want to send a video of your kids saying happy Father's Day to their dad to be put in our video for next week, you can actually email it to me, cam at cachurch.ca, uh, and uh, happily get that in there. And uh, also really excited about the community lunch. Uh, make time and space for that. I know they're planning really delicious food for you and yours to enjoy and uh, for you to connect with someone. And hey, maybe you could bring your dad with you, right? So anyway, uh, it's, uh, it's going to be a great, great week. And uh, I'm, I'm excited about this morning. You've noticed there's a little bit of a set change here. This isn't just set design, but it pertains to what we're talking about today. Uh, we are in a series called A New Humanity, A New Humanity, and we've, we've been going through Jesus's sermon on the mount. Uh, about 2,000 years ago, a historical person named Jesus Christ, he actually uh, went and he preached on a hillside in a region called Galilee uh, to hundreds, if not thousands of people who gathered and he preached one of the most famous sermons in the history of the world. You've likely heard phrases from it before, uh, and it has shaped our ethics, it has shaped our beliefs, uh, and uh, it has challenged people for thousands of years. And uh, over the last eight weeks, we actually walked through the Beatitudes, which are the opening sayings of Jesus going through what it looks like when somebody's life is grabbed hold by the gospel. What are the qualities that begin to come out in them? What do they look like and act like and feel like? Uh, as well as he, he talked to the reward or what will take place for those who embody those qualities. And they were, it was really encouraging. But at this point in the Sermon on the Mount, we begin to transition into a different section. A section where Jesus begins to uh, not just say sayings, but he begins to preach on various topics. Uh, some of them topics that are, you know, very practical, others that are very challenging, and, and some that are encouraging, but some that are warnings as well. Uh, and, uh, and so today, we find ourselves in Matthew chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 13. Uh, and so if you are willing and able... Please stand up uh, as we read God's word. We believe these are some of the most important words you're going to hear today. And so we stand in honor of them. If you are able, let's read this together. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. Imagine you're on that hillside. Jesus of Nazareth is preaching. And he says this. One day he saw the crowds gathering and Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples gathered around him and he began to teach. You are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? No, it'll be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world. 
like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then put it, puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. God, thank you for these illustrations today. Speaking to who we are, and our influence in the world. I pray today you would challenge us, encourage us, and send us out to be these very things that you said that we are. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So, we have two illustrations today. Really easy. Jesus gives it to us. We have salt, okay? And we have light. This is who we are are as the people of God. This is whom, what we are meant to embody. And I find it very interesting that Jesus chooses these two elements, salt and light, because for every person hearing, including those who are hearing today, no matter who they were, these two things were present in their life, their daily lives. It was something that was relatable. It was something that was tangible, in every home, no matter how poor, they, they used and still use salt and light. You can get salt for free in most restaurants, right? You don't have to pay for salt. And every day the sun comes up and it gives us light without asking for payment. These are domestic metaphors and each one of us has been asked to pass the salt or to turn on a light, right? This is something we have each done. It's interesting, Pliny, who was an ancient Roman author and natural philosopher, uh, he wrote in his dictum, nothing is more useful than salt and light. And he said this due to their practical benefits and their significant impact on everyday life. And I think this is why Jesus uses these metaphors specifically. He uses it to describe what his people are like. So what did he mean? Because some of you, when you hear salt, like you are salt, immediately your mind goes to you are salty. Now, uh, salty is kind of this, it's like it, there's an urban dictionary, modern kind of term for this, uh, which describes someone who is grumpy, someone who's, you know, a little bit frustrated. Uh, it's like, oh man, he's so salty, he lost in Mario Kart, all right, <laughs> for millennials, right? Oh man, he was so salty, his Amazon package didn't arrive on time, right? Uh, you know, maybe you've been accused, older parents, from, by your younger kids. Are you being, like, you're, you're really salty right now, dad. You're like, what are you talking about, right? I'm flavorful. Like, you know, it's like, <laughs> what did Jesus mean? by you are the salt of the earth, that you are salt? It's a great question. I think there's a, a few things that, that come to mind. Salt adds flavor, salt preserves, and salt cleans. Let me talk about these various things. The first, salt adds flavor. Uh, any, any of you get chef's plate or like fresh prep or uh, any of those kind of food services, HelloFresh, 
So, uh, you know, as a young parent, the one thing that Jessica and I, young parents, that we can rely on every single week is for our chef's plate to arrive. We got two meals. We know those two meals are covered, and then we can figure out the rest, right? Uh, And uh, it's really interesting. As we make our chef's plate, one of the things that surprised me as I'm following the instructions and following the recipe is that almost on every major step, there is a line, add salt, add salt. Add salt. I'm like, how much salt do you want me to add to this meal right here? Now, for me, I love the add salt instruction. I, I really, I, like I often will criticize food for it not being salty enough, right? Where Jessica doesn't like food as salty. So her, you know, she often is like, oh, this is really salty. And I'm like, what are you talking about, right? This tastes uh, fantastic. But every single step of the way, it's asking us to add a little bit of salt. Salt adds flavor. Flavor is enhancement. It enhances the flavors that are naturally there within the food, and it makes it better. It makes it better. Uh, You know, think about it. Meat is much better with salt. Vegetables are certainly better with salt. Can I get an amen? And bland egg, right? If you add a little bit of salt to the yolk, you mix it up together. Amazing. Even cookies are better with a little bit of salt, right? Because salt also, it, it, can, it can reduce the sweetness of something. I think that Jesus, when he, when he was talking about the fact that we are the salt of the, the earth, I think one of the qualities that he was speaking to and he was calling out of us is this, is that we would be flavorful people, that we would enhance that which is already there, that we would bring flavors to the palate and to the table that weren't there without us. And what are these flavors that he's talking about? Well, we've just gone through the Beatitudes, right? Flavors such as meekness and peace and purity of heart and righteousness, right? These are the things that Jesus believes the world is lacking. And when he calls us the salt of the earth, he's asking us to enhance, to bring flavors and qualities to a world that are lacking them, to bring the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control, that we would bring flavor to the world that wasn't there without us that we would enhance its natural qualities. I believe this is something that Jesus is asking us to do to actually enrich our workplaces, our families, our friend groups, our universities, wherever we may find ourselves. Salt adds flavor. Here's something else that salt does, though. Salt preserves. Uh, It's actually a preservative. Recently, when I was in Chiapas, I was there with Rochella. I've been there with Alyssa. I've been there with many of you. Uh, I saw one refrigerator while I was there. One, okay? Which isn't a very good advertisement for this mission strip. But um, (laughs) there was was less refrigerators than toilet seats, all right? And there wasn't many toilet seats. So um, (laughs) unnecessary detail. Uh, And, uh, but, but, I wondered to myself, how on earth do they preserve their food around here? And there's many ways you can dry it. You can just make sure it's really fresh, right? Uh, and, uh, but another way in which specifically fish, and there's tons of fish in this region, can be preserved, is through salt. 
Salt actually preserves something from decaying and rotting. In fact, if you put meat in, in, in salt, it can, it can preserve it for weeks, if not months, and even in some cases, depending if it's done just right, years. Salt is a, a natural preservative. And I think it has the antimicrobial uh, properties that help prevent decay and inhibit the growth of harmful things and harmful be, uh, bacteria. See, our, our presence in the world, I think when Jesus was talking about we are the salt of the earth, one of the qualities he was saying, he's asking us that we as believers are called to stand against moral decay and the corruption in the world, that we are expected to be a moral compass standing up and against injustice in the world, standing up for compassion and righteousness and opposing negative influences that could lead people astray. One that preserves the good and the right and the true and stops things from going bad. But if we're absent, here's what Jesus is suggesting. If the salt of the earth is absent, then things will continue to deteriorate and decay. This is part of why he sent us out into the world. Some might say, well, I feel like it's too late to preserve what is good. The world has gone to hell in a handbasket, right? And I, I think sometimes in our apathy, our frustration, our whatever it might be, we might believe that it might be too late to be the salt of the earth. But the good news is, is this, is that salt also cleans. It purifies. You see, oftentimes people will, this is back in the day and how they used to do things, they would take salt and they would use it as a, as a abrasive texture to scrub things that had become grimy and dirty and gross. Salt can, can be used to remove stains from one's shirt or from, from fabrics, from lifting up stains from, from various fabrics. It can be used to take away smell, apparently. I was researching this week, okay? Chat GPT, tell me the uses of salt, right? So, uh, and, <laughs> right? Uh, but no, seriously. It, and, and one of them, it was talking about removing odors, all right? Uh, and, uh, and I was like, okay, I'm going to like give this a try. So later on, I'm going to try to put salt in my shoes and see what happens. Uh, and supposedly, if you leave it for 24 hours, it'll absorb the smell. This is what Jesus is saying for us, is that we as Christians are called to be the salt of the earth, to have an important role in cleaning and restoring the world, making it a better place, being a positive influence. Christians are to help others by removing the stains of sin and shame through telling them about the good news of Jesus, removing the stink of the world and refreshing it with our presence. Jesus says, you are the salt of the world. So go and be salty. That's the, that's, the, that's the big idea from this point. That we would be an agent for cleaning. That we'd be an agent for restoring. That we would be an agent for adding flavor that is missing without us. Here's the second illustration. Jesus describes you as light. A light in a dark, dark world. He says, you are the light of the world. 
A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and give light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Now, some of you, upon hearing this, wait a minute, I'm the light of the world? I thought Jesus was the light of the world. John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus does say this. I am the light of the world. He says, if you follow me, says you will no longer have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life, that you will have light that leads to life. So it is true that Jesus is the light of the world, but you, you notice this in John 8, I'm the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have light. You will have light that leads to life. There's something profound that takes place in our lives when we place our faith in Jesus. Is that the darkness that we were walking in for that season suddenly becomes light and that light leads to life. Him, Jesus, the light of the world, makes our heart his home and then we actually end up being the light stand to display his glorious light to our friends, our family, our neighbors, and whoever we encounter. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8, one of my favorite passages, probably my favorite passage in, uh, in the scripture, it says this, you once were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord, so live as people of light. You once were full of darkness, but now you have light from where? The Lord. So live as people of light. And here's the good news. is because Jesus, the light of the world, is the light within us, because we once were in darkness, but now we have light from the Lord, we can just live as people of light. And it isn't a crank wheel flashlight. You remember those old school ones? You'd like crank it up just to get the light going. This isn't what Jesus is asking us to do, that we would just sweat and work really, really, really hard to be a bright light for the Lord. Yes, it does require effort, okay? Or we're not saying it doesn't, but it is actually his light within us shining through the things that we do that give light for all to see. And our text says they will give glory to our Father who is in heaven. See, Jesus is the power source. He is the electricity to the bulb, okay? He, and, and, and we are simply just in the same way that a candle has a wick. We are not the flame, we're the candle in which the light of Jesus can shine. I love these con- this concept of the fact that we are people of light for many years now, and, and you've probably heard me talk about it before when we were in Ephesians and we p- preached Ephesians chapter five, I, I talk about these very concepts and ideas, but there's some illustrations that I think help us to understand whom Jesus is asking us to be, who Jesus is asking us to be. The first is this, is that I think in the same way that the moon reflects the light of the sun to, the, to a dark world at night, to give light to our path, that we would find our way, that we, although we do not have light of our own, would reflect the light of the sun to the world. Yesterday, uh, Amy was, she she was really excited about watching Little Bear, okay? It's an OG kid show, all right? And it's on YouTube now, and so we we pulled it up. And uh, it's really interesting. Little Bear has a real fascination with the moon, I've learned. He's like, it comes up a lot in various episodes. 
and I was watching this, and him and Duck were singing to the moon, winter moon, turn down your light, it's time to say goodnight. And they were singing this to the moon, I forget the melody, but this very cute old school kind of kid show, and in their childlike understanding, they didn't realize the moon couldn't turn down its light. But the moon simply reflects the light of the sun. This is whom we are called to be. Another illustration is a, a fire, a campfire. A few, uh, a few, in a few weeks, my community group, uh, we're gonna, the, all the ladies are going to get together okay, uh, at 2 p.m., they're having a pool party. And then the guys are going to get, get together later at 7 p.m. And I, I did a poll. I said, guys, what do you want to do? And I gave some options, uh, you know, and I was like, you know, we could do like uh, board games night. Uh, we could go bowling. I even put laser tag in there just if we wanted to find our inner child once again. Uh, and uh, one of the, I, I said movie night. And one of the options I put down was, was just like fire and chill, right? We just get some, some like, some, so we just fire and hang out, all right? And so uh, we get some propane fireplaces and hang out. And that was by far the most popular. There's something about a fire that is comforting. There's something about a fire that creates safety in the darkness of night. There's something about a fire that draws people in. And I, I, you might have found this. It's often around fireplaces that people kind of begin to take down their walls and share vulnerably. It's in those quiet moments of the crackling that they open up their hearts. I think this is what Jesus is saying when he's calling us to be light. We're called to reflect the light of the sun. We're also called to be people who create safe spaces and places of comfort where people can gather around in the cold and darkness of night and found peace and hope and love and joy, connection. I think this is part of whom Jesus is calling us to be. Another illustration is a flashlight. And let me talk about that for a moment. Uh, when I was younger, I uh, went to Camp Quanos as a CIT counselor in training and then as a counselor. And one of the things that we would do on the nights in between camps is oftentimes the counselors just be hanging out and they would like to go down to the waterfront, to the dock where they're not supposed to, not supposed to be, right? And uh, Ken Bailey, who's one of the directors there, he had this incredible, like 100,000 lumen flashlight. And he would stand at the top of the very top of the, the staircase, which was maybe, I don't know, 800 meters away from the dock. And with this flashlight, he would shine his beam down onto the dock and we would be fleeing, running, hiding behind any object we could find. Someone even dove into the ocean one time just to avoid the Bailey beam is what we called it, right? Ken Bailey, the Bailey beam. And so we said, the Bailey beam, right? We'd be like fleeing, diving into the water. But this is a purpose of light. <laughs> One of the purposes of light is actually exposing the darkness. And, uh, and even in our day and our time, and I know it's not very popular to say, the light that is within us is supposed to expose the darkness around us. It's supposed to actually shine and show uh, that which is good and right and true, but it's also meant to expose that which is wrong and evil and harmful. 
And this is, yes, even in Canada. I was talking with some friend of mine this morning. I know we're a little bit apprehensive about this. We don't like to talk about it. Whatever's true for you is true. Whatever right is right. That's great. Oh, it's good for you. That's awesome. Yeah, I don't have opinions, right? Like, you know, and it's like, but this is a quality of light. And Jesus said it. That there is a quality in which we are supposed to shine the light on injustice, shine the light on things that are not right. And things that have gone astray. And why is this? Because of our love for people. We don't want them to walk in darkness. We don't want them to get lost. This is whom we are called to be to expose. Paul talks about this. He says, he, he says rather than partaking in darkness, instead we are called to expose it. Expose it. But the third thing and way in which light is utilized, and Jesus, this is the specific context that Jesus gives in this passage, is he says that you shine your light, and how do people see your light? It's not just through being the, like, you know, morality police. That is a part of it. Uh, but it's actually through good deeds. It is actually through our works, now, some of you are like, wait a second, I thought this was a grace church. I thought we were about grace, not works. That's more kind of a religious thing. It's kind of like, oh, the, the, these other, the other people, they're kind of like that. They preach that, but we preach grace. And that is true. It is not by works that you are saved, but through grace. But it works are the evidence of the light, Right? In the same way that this light is actually illuminating this table and this light is shining bright for all to see, it is evidence that there is actually power, that there's actually a source, that there's something more going on. And in the same way, this is what our light is called to do, is that through our good works, we actually display to the world who Jesus is and what he is like through our works, through loving one another, through serving each other, through helping the poor, through working in our community. This is why we as a church do things like Love My City Days, and uh, where we'll, we'll go out and we will serve the community. We want the world to see the light of our Father so that they would bring Him glory. This is why we have adopted streets in Port Moody. Uh, big news, actually. This is breaking news. Uh, so when we moved locations, all right, we, we wanted to kind of move our streets that we were adopting and taking care of something close here. And they actually gave us Brews Road, okay? So right next to all the breweries, there's going to be signs on the post. This Communities taken care of by CA Church Rail City Campus, uh, which is really, really cool. So if you're down there and you see some garbage, please pick it up, all right? Because someone, someone's going to send me an email. I know it, right? It's like, hey, what's going on down here? You guys aren't taking care of this community, right? And so, uh, yeah, help us out. But we will also be sending groups of people like we did in the past to go and walk down that road and, and to clean up, to report graffiti and lights that are out and all that kind of stuff and, and, and just be a blessing, to those around us. This is what we are called to be. We are called to be a blessing. This is why we go to Chiapas, right? And we're going to go again in February, okay? Uh, mark it on your calendars. Save up your vacation time. This is why we go on mission and we go and serve our brothers and sisters in Chiapas 
to show love, a visible sign of the love of God within us to them. And that's why we go on mission around the world. There was a team that just went to the Philippines. There's a team currently right now in the Middle East. Uh, and, there, and we'll be sending another team to alternative different places in Mexico this fall. This is why we do what we do, to be a visible light in the world. That's why we're doing baptisms today at Old Orchard. Why? People would see. They would see and they would give glory to our Father. We are called to be a people who help the world taste and see that the Lord is good. That is who we are called to be. But Jesus is concerned. He's concerned. And it comes out in this text. Why, what is he concerned about? He's concerned that we're going to lose our saltiness. And he's concerned that we're going to, to cover up. It's not too hot. Our light. Right? Let, let, let's look what he says here. He says, you know, in Matthew chapter 5, he says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything but to just be thrown on the ground. We'll vacuum later. Uh, and uh, he says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and then cover it with a basket, unless they're hipsters. But um, <laughs> you get the illustration. Jesus is concerned. Concerned that we will no longer be the salt of the earth, that we will not allow our life to shine, and that we would rather cover it up. Now, it's not actually possible for salt to lose its salty flavor. It's actually a very, like, stable chemical. Uh, but salt can be contaminated. It can take in the toxins around it where it no longer is useful to be salty. And in fact, maybe even dangerous to consume. And so Jesus is worried if salt stops doing what it was created to do, it becomes useless. And I don't want my people to be useless. He says if, it, if, it's, if it's useless, it should just be thrown to the ground. But instead, he wants us to embody the qualities of salt, preserving, cleansing, and uh, enhancing this world. Here's the second concern. He says, he says, you know, you are the light of the world, a city on a hill. He's concerned that rather than being a city on a hill, that we would actually be a town in the valley. And he's concerned that we would take our light and we would cover it with a basket so that it would no longer give light to the world around us. And I think if we are honest, this is a true and real temptation for all of us to not be salty and to not be light. And Jesus recognizes this. But here's the thing, friends, if we do not shine our light, if we cover it with a basket, implicitly what we are saying is that we're okay with others walking in darkness. We're okay with others walking in a state of confusion and darkness. Yesterday I was at Cafe, classic, uh, getting an Americano, having a little bit of their breakfast, amazing. Their breakfast there is so good. You got to try it. It's incredibly expensive, but it's so good. Uh, okay, so 
<laughs> but um, I was sitting there and I saw this guy wandering by Kaffee with his white cane. He's trying to find his way somewhere. But he was moving like so incredibly slowly and I could tell he was super apprehensive. He didn't know where he's going. He's obviously um, blind. And, uh, and so I had this inclination. I got up and I said, hey, can I help you? Can I, can I help direct you? I asked him first. I didn't just start doing it. Uh, he said, yeah, that would be really helpful. I'm trying to get to the door. And so I guided him to the door and he said, thanks. Th thanks so much. He said, he said, not many people offer that. And he made his way in. I didn't think much of it. But then I went home uh, later on and, and I was thinking about this message and I realized that um, I had the ability to see light. I had the ability to allow the light to direct me to the end destination, which would be good. And this person walks in darkness. They cannot see. They're apprehensively finding their way through the world. Now, how wrong would it be for us if we can clearly see the light and we can clearly see the path that rather than, than allowing it to shed light and help others to see that we would just simply cover it up? Because, ah, you know, I don't want to be mocked. Ah, I don't want to be rejected. I don't want to be made fun of. I think this would be a shame. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. Don't cover it with a basket. You are the salt of the earth. Do what you were meant to do. And as Jesus was preaching this message, I wouldn't be shocked if he directed his gaze to a community that was just off the Sea of Galilee called the Essenes. The Essenes called themselves sons of light. But they lived a monastery and remote and set-apart lifestyle. They, they, they called themselves the sons of light, but they were light to only one another. And ironically, their community in Qumran was set up right next to the Sea of Galilee. Or sorry, not the Sea of Galilee, the Dead Sea. And the Dead Sea is a sea that is full of salt. 33% salt. In fact, you go there today, you can have a good float. It's really, it's a quite the experience. But I wonder that as if Jesus was preaching this message, he was concerned that his followers would become like them. People who proclaimed they were sons of light, but rather covered it up. People who had abundance of salt, but did not utilize it. This is Jesus' concern, I think, for, for us, is that we would become like them. And ironically, the Essenes, one of the ways they made money was through creating pottery. <laughs> and so I'm just hypothesizing in kind of a fun way. I wonder if Jesus was concerned that we would become like that. Light amongst light and salt amongst just tons of salt. I think the challenge for us sometimes is this, is that we, 
as the people of God, we openly shine our light on Sundays. Woo! Right? Like, look at that. I'm the light of the world. But on Monday, would you just feel so tempted to cover it up? I think that it's so easy for us at community group to be the salt of the earth, to bring forth the flavors of God, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. But the next day on Wednesday, to no longer be saltiness. We love to be salt amongst salt and light amongst light. But Jesus called each and every one of us to go out into the world to the farthest corners. He said, go to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, to the ends of the earth, to Port Moody, to your workplace, to the darkest spaces and places on the planet. Jesus was the one who went to the other side. Instead of staying in Israel, he took a boat and went to the darkest places in all of the Gentile world. And he cast out the darkness. And this is what we are called to be and do as well. Not light amongst other lights, but light in dark places. That we would more, uh, more closely resemble the, the stars spread out in the sky than we would a, just a cluster of lights. This is whom we are called to be. We are called to be the salt of the earth, the light of the world, to go forth into all the different places that we find ourselves, and especially the darkest places in our world, and to bring forth saltiness, and to bring forth light in a world that so desperately needs it. Jesus says, do not keep it to yourself. Put the light on the lampstand. Put the salt in the food and allow people to enjoy it. And so I'm going to invite up the band now, and I'll pray, and we'll move into our time of communion. And during communion, it is a moment of confession where we can come forward and we can acknowledge the moments where we have covered up our light. We can acknowledge the moments where we have decided to not be useful. But it's also a moment that we come to Jesus, the light of the world, and we say, God, would you give me light that I could shine? God, would you give me your light so that I could be a positive influence in this world? God, would you make me useful once again? And so it's a moment of confession, but as you leave that table and you take that bread and that juice, it's also a remembrance that we are going out into all the world to be and to do the things that Jesus called us. And so I'm going to pray, and we'll do that now. Jesus, thank you for this morning, and we thank you for these helpful illustrations. I pray, God, that we would be salty <laughs> in the best possible way, and that, Jesus, that we would be a bright light for all to see. I don't think it's a miss to us that we recognize that this world has much darkness. But you, Jesus, the light of the world, live within us and you promise that you would be in us and you would go with us to the very end of the age. And so I pray today as we come to the table, a moment of confession, 
a moment of receiving your grace and mercy in our time of need. The Lord, as we walk away from the table, the Father, you, by your spirit, would empower us to be, to do what it is that you are calling us to. Help us with this, I pray, Jesus. The world so desperately needs it. I pray these things in your name. Amen. Come to the table when you're ready. Thanks for listening to this message. If you've been listening to our sermons, but you're not a part of a church community, we would love to have you join us. You can go to cachurch.ca slash rail city to find out more information about getting involved in the life and mission of the Rail City campus of CA Church.